Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. The scripture reading is the gospel according to Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Sarah's my friend from high school, class of 89 Centennial. Come on, Sarah, give it up. Well, uh, that gospel, I want to repeat some of the words that Sarah just read here in the first Sunday of Advent. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So like during a normal year, uh, I would say this this week's gospel portion sounds too apocalyptic to relate to. But in 2020, it sounds just about right. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I think if the sun didn't come up tomorrow morning or if the stars began falling from the sky tonight, I have a feeling none of us would be all that surprised. We'd be just like, yep, well, 2020, no more sun. Stars are falling down. Oh, gosh. Christ have mercy, right? 
Well, the psalm in this week's lectionary reading says it well. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. That's from Psalm 80. And so does anybody else feel the way I feel? And that is that I wake up almost every day feeling like I'm pushing the same boulder up the same God-forsaken hill of despair that I pushed up yesterday. Does anyone else feel like that these days as 2020 drags on, as COVID deaths increase, as we went through the holidays maybe without our family and friends, as the loneliness kind of stacks up one day after another? Uh, I, officiated, I officiated a graveside funeral a couple Saturdays, Saturdays ago for one of you whose dad died from Genesis. Uh, he was this beautiful man. He loved his family so well. And that became so clear as we went through the graveside funeral. Um, but you and your family, you whose dad just died, you know, lost far too well. Your mom and your two brothers preceded your dad in death. Restore us, O oh God. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. Another one of you from Genesis posted a picture of your husband lying on the couch with your baby daughter on Facebook. Your husband's hair is gone because of chemo. Lymphoma sucks was the caption of that picture. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. Another one of you posted on the Facebook community page that the relentless challenges of having your young kids at home all the time is getting to you. You're exhausted, and this feels like suffering, though you don't feel permission to call it so. Restore us, O oh God. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. And then another one of you said in a recent virtual narthex that you'd give anything to see your kids. Uh, after the divorce, you've shared custody, and so your kids are quarantining, and so you haven't seen them in two weeks. You'd give anything to have them wake you up early. You'd give anything to hear their chattering voices that won't stop. You miss them terribly. Restore us, O oh God, that we may be saved. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. See, Advent, as, as Allie described so beautifully in the kids' sermon, Advent is this four-week season leading up to Christmas. And Advent means arrival or coming. And it's meant to be a season in which we name the reality of darkness. But we also name our deep longings for the light of hope to burst into our lives as well. So first, all play question, if you dare to answer it, what are you longing for during this Advent season? What are you longing for during this Advent season? Could be for yourself, could be for the world. Use the chat function to answer. What are you longing for this Advent season as you wrestle with the darkness, as you hope for the light? Allie, you hope for hope, yes. Me too. Connection, Marika. Yes. Bob, healing of relationships. Yes. 
Anne from Emily to be able to go to school again in person. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. Uh, Maddie, normalcy, will, deeper connections to others to be seen. Yes. Yes. Peace from stress and fear, Christine. Yes. Cassandra, justice for George Floyd and change in Minnesota. Yes. Uh, Katie Troughton, just the next step, longing for the next step. Aaron, something that breaks the monotony of the routine, right? I was on a walk with my wife and I was just saying, honey, I'm going crazy because every day is exactly the same as the last day. Um, from Charles, I want COVID to be gone. Yes, Charles, we all do. Um, from Mark and Reagan, COVID way to be lifted somehow, yes. Uh, Bob, lots of snow for sh snowshoeing. Yes, my son Isaac, because he's a snowboarder, is praying for snow every single day. Um, for Michelle Kelly, a weekend away. Oh, my Lord, right? You'd pay like a billion dollars for that right now. From Jill, to be on the other side of COVID and know that we had enough resources for the people we take care of. Yes, you guys, Advent is this season of longing where we name the darkness, but also get in touch with our deep longings. And we pray for God to restore us, to let your face shine on us so that we may be saved. Uh, Becky, to have options, yes. The good ones, from Noah Goodwin, I'd like the vaccine to be out, yes. For Will, for our political leaders, local, state, and federal, to lead with empathy, compassion, and care, yes. Oh my gosh, you guys, there's so much to get in touch with, so many deep longings. And I'm finding myself, those longings are starting to come closer and closer to the surface. Amen. I mean, it's tough to live in this level of isolation, darkness, and hopelessness. It really, really is. So the gospel portion this week concludes with a strange story about a man going on a journey and nobody knows when he'll be back. And then, and then this urgent call to be awake. I'm going to read it again, starting in verse 34, just a couple verses here. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and put his, puts his servants or slaves in charge, each, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, Jesus says, for you don't know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cock crow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And so what I say to you all, that's what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Uh, we got some more longings here. Coffee with friends, yes. From Harrison Goodwin, peace, yes. Uh, from Barb Richardson, look up your redemption. You look up, your redemption draws nigh, yes. Another great scripture from this week. So here's another all play. As we get in touch with our deep longings, as we name the reality of darkness, and as we wait for Jesus to come, uh, here's the all play question. Maybe it's a weird one, but just give it a stab. How does the Jesus of Advent arrive when he finally arrives? How does the Jesus of Advent arrive? Remember this funky story. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his slaves in charge, each, each with his work, commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Sounds kind of like, hey, right? Okay, from Bob, humbly and innocent. Yes. How does the Jesus of Advent arrive when he finally does? 
in the mundane and normal will. Yes. Cassandra, anticlimactically. Yes. Nate, over the course of nine months. Come on, baby. You got to wait. Gestation. Little bits of light in the darkness, Jenny. Bits of joy in the pain. Yes. Ryan Abbey, peacefully. Yes. Yes. Hannah, I think Jesus has already arrived, but our eyes will be open to see it. Yes. Christine, in the completely unexpected. Yes. Oh my gosh, you guys. How does the Jesus of Advent arrive? Woo! Well, during the season of Advent, we don't focus mainly on when Jesus will, on when Jesus will return, but how Jesus will return. The Jesus we wait for during Advent, as we know, arrives as a baby. Not as the triumphant king who Christians will believe will one day return and decisively make all things new at the, the final coming, the second coming. The triumphant Jesus may be the Jesus we'd prefer right now, but it's not the one who arrives at the conclusion of the Advent season. You guys are right. The Jesus that arrives at the conclusion of the Advent season arrives as a baby, arrives humbly, arrives as a human, arrives with weakness, arrives with vulnerability, arrives with a dirty diaper. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that one? Jesus arrives as a baby. The Jesus that arrives during Advent does arrive in the little pinpricks of hope, little pinpricks of light in the midst of darkness. And yes, Cassandra, arise with more work to do. And yes, Barb, an encounter with the king of kings, for sure, but doesn't look like a king. The Jesus that arrives in Advent doesn't look like a king at all. Looks like a little human, tiny little baby that cries, that has needs, that arrives in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of a time when King Herod ordered the murder of all baby boys age two and under where there was weeping from the mothers. But Jesus arrives as a human being, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, but arrives as a human. Scott Erickson, the author of Honest Advent, describes the Jesus of Advent this way. We're going to put this quote up on the, on the screen. We're going to share the screen because it's such a powerful quote. Um, so this is, again, from Honest Advent. Scott Erickson, the book that we're going through together. Jesus is mighty, not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through human hardship like we have to do. It is this compassionate empathy that has the power to transform the human heart. Then it goes on this way. Um, one more. <laughs> Sorry, Kara. One more. How does God restore what it loves. And Scott Erickson calls God it. That's his own way of being genderful rather than saying he and she or he or she. Uh, Scott chooses it. Um, so how does God restore what it loves? By being with what God loves. How does love defeat its enemy, death? By accepting it and going through it. How does God show itself to be mighty? God humbles itself and owns being human 
God accepts the humility and vulnerability of, of eventually dying. And it is this mighty ground that God saves the world through. Damn. See, the Jesus of Advent is not a superhero, although we might want him to be. The Jesus of Advent is a vulnerable baby waiting to be born in our ordinary moments, in our silent suffering, and in our pinpricks of joy. So here's an all play question. Because I think Hannah's right. I think Jesus has arrived, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. What does the Jesus of Advent offer when he arrives? In those little moments of ordinary joy, in those pinpricks of hope, when you wake up to the fact that he has arrived, what does he offer? Danny Cook, peace and hope. Yes, peace and hope in the middle of darkness, right? Doesn't take away the darkness, offers peace and hope in the middle of darkness. Marike, presence and comfort, yes. Mitch, rest, oh, yes. Uh, Bob, a different way of living, yes. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see. Cassandra, fresh baby smell that can make you forget all the pain you just went through. Oh, yes. You know, that head, that baby head smell, it's so awesome. Uh, tranquility, Elizabeth. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful and gorgeous word of hope that we need right now. Tranquility, right? Um, oh, Allie, an invitation for us to help. An invitation for us to enter into the hardship and bring some peace. An invitation to enter into the incarnation, right? An invitation to be uh, Jesus to others. Yes, right? Uh, Dave Schlenk, a view beyond ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. There's so much goodness here. It's so many beautiful things I think that Jesus really does offer in Advent. Not the triumphant Jesus, not the superhero Jesus, but the Jesus of the ordinary moment, the Jesus of the pinpricks of joy. Uh, Enoch brings relief. Grant Goodwin brings his glory, yes, his weight. So there's a little metaphor that Jesus slips into this story that I think can offer us some great hope. And in verse 28 of Mark 13, Jesus says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth it, its leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, I don't know if I've ever actually seen a fig tree. Like, I haven't, do they grow in Minnesota? I don't know that they do. Maybe they do. Does anyone know if they grow in, I've never actually seen one, but, I, but I've heard that they don't grow overnight. They take a long time. It takes a lot of time and to culture fig trees and nurture them. And their maturity indicates, like when a fig really does become mature and ready to pick, it indicates that the gardener has been continuously and steadfastly there, tending to their growth year after year. So let's ask some questions about the fig tree, right? When and how is the fig tree mentioned in the Bible? And what does it symbolize? All right, this is like graduate level, so feel free. Like if you have no idea, don't, don't fire anything off, but let that, let's let that be an all play question. Use the chat. 
When do you remember the fig tree being mentioned in the Bible, either the Hebrew scriptures or the New Testament? Does anyone, can anyone think of any time that the fig tree is mentioned? Yes, Allie, when Jesus curses the fig tree outside of Jerusalem. <laughs> One of the most bizarre texts ever. Jesus just loses it on a fig tree. May you never bear fruit again. <laughs> Oh, that's one of my favorite ones. Does anyone remember any other times? Okay, Becky, the beginning, Genesis, uh, the people, the, the man and the woman, the Adam and the Eve cover themselves after their sin and shame with fig leaves. Interesting, huh? So good. Does anyone else remember anything? The fig trees actually are all over the scriptures. And so, I think when Jesus throws this in, he throws it in as a little beautiful nugget that he, like a hyperlink. He wants us to click on it and see all the different ways that the, the fig tree is used. Um, well, Becky beat me to it. I think in Genesis 3, 7, we read this. Then the eyes of both Adam and Eve were open. They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. I think one of the things that Jesus of Advent brings during Advent, when he finally does arrive in the little ordinary moments and the pinpricks of joy is this, the Jesus of Advent will restore you by covering you with love and grace when you feel naked and ashamed. Restore us, O oh God. Let your face shine on us that we might be saved. One of the ways that God does restore us, I think, during Advent, one of the ways that we can hope for God to restore us during Advent, when Jesus arrives in those little ordinary moments, those pinpricks of hope, is that he restores us by covering us when we feel filled with shame, when we feel vulnerable, when we've maybe sinned, and when we know it when we've lost it, when we feel, um, when we wake up at two in the morning and the first thought we have is all the ways that maybe we failed that day. I think Jesus brings in this beautiful image of the fig tree to remind us that he remembers um, those moments where we fail, where we sin. And instead of forcing us to cover ourselves, the Jesus of Advent in his beautiful vulnerability and his humility covers us. He covers us so that we don't have to be naked and ashamed. He covers us so that we can be with him as we walk through our hardship together. Amen. Man, I think that's good news. I think that's really good news. The second lesson that we can learn from the fig tree is the fig tree represents blessing and God's provision. Listen to this from Deuteronomy 8, verses 7 and 8. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters, welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates a land of olive trees and honey. These are all uh, images of a God who longs 
to take care of you. If anyone feels scarcity right now, scarcity of relationships, scarcity of resources, scarcity of time, scarcity of energy, scarcity of hope, you need to know that God is leading you somewhere that tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today, that you are not stuck. The Jesus of Advent, so the fig tree teaches us, is providing us with what we need, is providing us with love and care, and is leading us into a spacious place. This is what salvation really means, that the God of Advent, the Jesus of Advent in his coming is leading us out of scarcity, slavery, and into a land of provision. I mean, this is very good news. This is very good news. Now, how does that provision show up in your life? I'm not sure. It's partly Jesus walking you through hardship. It's partly watching and waiting and keeping awake so that Jesus can come and bring you what you need, everything that's necessary. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. This is the lesson of the fig tree. The Jesus of Advent will lead you into a good land and provide you with what you need after you have suffered years of starving and wandering in the wilderness. Think about those prayer requests that came in. Got some surgeries coming up. People are feeling nervous. What would it mean to believe that Jesus is leading you into a good land and providing for you? Not in some weird um, prosperity gospel way, eh, but in the way that he's providing for you what you need and walking with you through the darkness. Wherever there's scarcity, the lesson of the fig tree says Jesus will provide you what you need. And then lastly, um, Oh, clearly going to need to put some Fig Newtons on the grocery list this week. Yes, Dave. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, lastly, the fig tree represents righteousness and integrity. Uh, this is from John 1, 47 through 49. This is a really weird text, but it's fun. Jesus is calling his disciples to himself. And it says this, when Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, so this is for all the Nates out there, all the Nathaniels out there, all the Nathans out there. When Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel asked him, uh, where did you get to know me? I've never met you before. And then Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. There's something about the lesson of the fig tree that G the Jesus of Advent sees the truest thing about you and calls it forth. The Jesus of Advent saw the truest thing about Nathaniel. Here is, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. The Jesus of Advent calls the truest thing out of you and calls it forth. The Jesus of Advent sees the truest thing about you. The Jesus of Advent doesn't see all the things that you see, all the ways that you fail, all the ways that you screw up, all the ways that you lose it, all the ways that you fall short. 
the Jesus of Advent, the baby in a manger, the one who's vulnerable and weak and unbelievably strong, sees you for who you are, your true self. So how can we get our hope on this Advent, you guys, and this, the end of this such a bizarre year? How can we name the darkness but also lean into hope? I think it's by remembering that Jesus of Advent restores us by covering our shame. We don't have to do it ourselves. All the ways in which we feel like we've fallen short, we are God's and God is ours. We remain in Christ and Christ remains in us. He covers us in the places where we feel shame. Ugh. And then by remembering that Jesus of Advent will lead us into a good land after we've suffered, after we've wandered in the, in the wilderness, the future is this, that the Jesus of Advent leads us somewhere sweet. We got to hang on to that hope, people. We got to hang on to that hope. And then lastly, the Jesus of Advent sees the truest thing about us and calls it forth. These are the lessons from the fig tree. So that in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars falling from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the Jesus of Advent comes, comes to bring hope and healing and light. So let's get our hope on. Let's be revolutionary in our ability to hang on to hope, Genesis community. These are the times where it feels brutal to try to do it, but let's do it because the Jesus of Advent really is um, the King of Kings that leads us into what we need. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like, like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.